Hey friends, welcome back to the Lighthouse Podcast. This is where we laugh, we cry, we learn together as we talk to inspiring families and interview experts in the medical field. And I'm just happy to be here. <laughs> yes, you are. That was a lot. You, you just make us I'm happy. I'm laughing. I might cry in a minute. Yeah, that's right. We're going to hit all the emotions. Yes. You all the emotions. Hey, random question for you. Oh boy. Yeah. It's not. It's not <laughs> a special day, right? But it's not a special day. But okay. Um, you know, because I was thinking about it mm -hmm. um, this past weekend. Um, life hacks. You know, what kind okay. of life hacks um, do you have? Think about it for a second, because what made me think about it at home, mm -hmm. and we have a couple, and yeah. these are just a few examples, right? Um, so pancake mix, we love, we, we make pancakes. Okay. Well, did you know, we learned this, right? Um, you take like an old, uh, like maybe a ketchup, squeeze. we buy the big ones from Costco, right? Right. So you got those massive ones. Well, you empty out and clean it, and you can put pancakes mix in that, and now you just do pancakes out of a squeeze bottle. You don't have to constantly be dripping from a little ladle. And you can make cool shapes and, and stuff. Yeah, and you make, and you, and you just take it right back in the fridge, and you always got ready-made pancake mix. So not only did you ask me the most random of questions, but you already had a good one, so you were already like, you were already prepared for it. Okay, let me think. Uh, oh, Eric just came up with one, and this I'll give credit to Eric. Um, our we have one of the like the basket air fryers, mm -hmm. like with the bin, and it gets all. Yep, crusty, yep. You can put water and hot water and soap in there, and then you just turn it on and you run it for a few minutes, and then the stuff it like gets all hot. Gets all the stuff mm -hmm. off. And just really? Right off. Yep. We do that, that with our blender. That was my husband. That's a great. Up with that. did, hey, Eric. Well, I mean, he well done. Saw it somewhere. I'm yeah. assuming, but I'll give all nothing new under the sun. We oh. do that with our blender. So when we blend up smoothies, uh, hot water, soap, blend it, okay, and then just rinse it, and it gets it all great. Gets it all clean. Well, okay. Yeah. Well, thanks for that. Life hacks. Yeah, life yeah. hacks. Sweet tooth life hack. Everybody knows this one, right? Cupcakes. Mm -hmm. Take the top off, flip it upside down, and you make an Oreo with the uh, with the frosting in the middle. Okay. Well, we said that this can be an educational podcast. Bing, we didn't bang, just mean in one way. That's right. <laughs> just educating so, so far, we've laughed and we've learned together. And we've learned. We've laughed who and knows? we've learned. Maybe crying oh, is maybe, ahead. Maybe right? ahead. <laughs> who, who never okay. knows? Okay, that was a fun, slightly random way to start the podcast today. The important information for today is who we are talking to. So today we get to talk with Chris and Stephanie McKinney. That's right. McKinney uh, family lives here in Georgia, um, and they've got two daughters, Maddie and Emily Kate. And on the episode today, um, they're going to share just the value and importance of being an advocate for your child. Um, you're going to get to hear in some really great detail of just what it took for them to really push and push and push and the, and the benefit of that, the fruit of that, as well as um, they're going to talk about the hope that they found in some song lyrics and then also just some things they learned along the way through this journey. So, um, so let's listen in. Hey, Chris and Stephanie, welcome to the Lighthouse Podcast. We're super glad you guys joined us. Um, hey, to give everybody that's listening a little context and background, uh, why don't you guys um, start us off with just where your story started back in October of 2021? So in October, uh, it was my birthday weekend, and we had gone out to dinner, and we were sitting at a little restaurant, and I got up to go to the bathroom and walked around Emily Kate, who was sitting... Um, in a high chair and she had a small little pea-sized lump on the back of her right neck. And I looked at my husband, Chris, and I was like, man, this, that seems weird. And he said, yeah, I noticed it the other day. I said, well, I'll call the pediatrician on Monday. So I called and they're like, yeah, go ahead and bring her in. We'll see her. So we brought, I brought her in and they were like, yeah, that, that does look a little funny. Usually that, 
when a child that age gets sick, any kind of like a viral or bacterial infection, they can have their little lymph nodes swell. Uh, it can last up to six weeks, totally normal, nothing to worry about. Um, we were like, okay, all right, whatever you say, you're the expert. You're the doctor. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're the doctor. So we, uh, Emily, Kate, and I left the doctor. And I told Chris, I'm like, all's well. They think she probably just caught a little virus. Nothing crazy. We're good. And she's how old at that point? She was uh, 16 months old. 16 oh, months. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So I guess it was like two days later, she came down with a super high fever. And I called them back and I was like, yeah, she's got a fever. And they're like, okay, bring her back in. So we went back and they tested her for the normal COVID flu, strep, all of it came back negative. And they were like, I think this was like a Thursday or a Friday. And they said, if she hasn't gotten any better by Monday, call us back. Monday, she still hadn't gotten any better. So we went back and they were like, yeah, it seems like just a little virus. She just can't kick it. So they called her into antibiotics. And then later that week, I noticed an additional lymph node Again, still pea-sized, poking out right next to the other one. So I called them back. I'm like, it's me again. <laughs> and uh, I said, she's got another lump. And they're like, it's just from the virus that she's trying to get rid of. And I was like, all right, sounds good. Sounds good. So the next week, there were like three or four of them. And I called them and I'm like, y'all got to, we need to come back. This is not, this is not normal. So we go back and they're like, yeah, it's again, this can happen up to six weeks post any infection for this age, normal, no big deal. They're like, we're going to try a different antibiotic because she was still having some like low grade fevers and just wasn't feeling great. So they started us on an antibiotic shot. We had to come in twice a week for the shot. So we did four of those over two weeks. And she still just wasn't great. At that point, they had started running lab work and everything was coming back normal. All of her blood cell counts were totally normal. Um, so after the fourth shot, uh, at this point, her neck was pretty swollen um, from the ear all the way to the jawline. I mean, it was just big. Plus the lymph nodes were all poking out in the back. I'm like, yeah, we need to see someone. Yeah. So are are you as a mom, do you just have that mom's gut of, hey, this, I hear what you're telling me, right? You guys are doctors, yeah. you're experts. I get it, but it's not sitting right. Do you have that just kind of eating at you going, yeah, I get it, but this, what you're telling me doesn't line up. Yeah. Oh, and it, it was almost just, it was just frustrating. I'm like, I understand that this could be totally normal and everything else is telling you normal. And you have no idea how many times they sat me down and looked me in the eyes and say, we don't think it's anything serious. I mean, they, one of our pediatricians sat down and held my hand and said, there's no way this is cancer. Wow. Hmm. Cancer wasn't even on my radar. Yeah. Wow. That's what she said. I, I mean, I'm like, I think she's got like tuberculosis or something. And they're like, no, nothing. 
nothing scary. And I'm like, well, that's fine, but can you send us to an ENT who can look at it further and just confirm that there's nothing happening? So that's where we went. So you go to you. So you go to an ENT. That was your idea. Mm-hmm. ENT. Yeah. Um, did you know of one you wanted to see? Did they refer someone? Did you, or were you tired of them? I don't want you to even refer anybody. I'm just, I'm, just going I'm done own. with you. I'm going to do my own thing. No. So they actually <laughs> referred us somewhere. And, um, when I walked in, I'm sitting there and the doctor walks in and his name is Dr. Aaron and Dr. Aaron walks in and I look at him and I'm like, I know you. And he looks at me and he's like, do you have another kid? And I was like, I do. <laughs> I'm like, you did her surgeries. So our oldest had to have tubes and he did, he, he was, he followed her journey to up to getting tubes. He did the surgery and he did the surgery to remove the tubes. And I was like, Oh, I like you. We're good. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I like our pediatrician. Right. We still go there, but I was like, I know you like, I, I feel much more at ease being in a doctor's office at a specialist with somebody that I knew. So we went to the ENT and they did some testing and, you know, they looked in her ears, they checked her throat, they did all this. And they're like, yeah, Uh, you know, they sat me down and they were like moving the lump around and they were like, so if this was a tumor, it wouldn't move like this, you know, we wouldn't be able to to do certain things. And I was like, okay. They're like, so we're thinking it's a swollen lymph node. I'm like, all right, works for me. How do we confirm that? Because I'm, I'm kind of done playing this. It could be this. It could be that it's probably nothing. And he's like, we'll do an ultrasound. He's like, I'll go ahead and schedule it. You can go to Choa at town center to have it done. Um, so we do the ultrasound and a couple days later they call. And he says, okay, the ultrasound is back. She's got an extremely enlarged lymph node. He said, it's, it's pretty big. It could be multiple because of how all the lymph nodes are back there. There could be other ones behind it that are also enlarged. Mm-hmm. This and the other, but it's pushing the ones closer to the surface out so they're more visible. And he said, this could be tuberculosis, Rosai Dorfman disease, uh, or something called scarcidosis. Um, and then on the report, the doctor reading it actually wrote those in order of likelihood and then wrote cancer. And in parentheses, he put feels highly unlikely. Wow. Hmm. So I start researching all these. I call our pediatrician. I'm like, I need a ter- tuberculosis test today. I'm on my way. And we're like right around the corner. I'm like, I'll be there in 15. I just need a TB test. So we start that. And the other two diseases, the Rosai Dorfman and sarcoidosis, are not something that can be tested for. And so it felt to me like a fallback. Like, oh, you know, she's got these symptoms present. Let's call it this. Yeah. I'm like, I'd rather just rule out cancer and tuberculosis now in the and just get that over with. So the TB test came back negative. Um, and then he, he called and he was like, what do you guys want to do? And I'm like, Dr. Aaron, I, I want you to get in there. Well, let's, 
let's do something. So he was, he scheduled um, a biopsy and lymphendectomy to go in and, you know, just check out what was going on. And then he came in, gosh, Chris, how long was she back there? Like 15 minutes? Yeah, it wasn't very long. Yeah, he, she, so Emily Kate went back for surgery. She was back there for like 15 minutes and he walks in still in his full surgery getup. And he's like, I had to stop the procedure. And Chris and I were both just, I mean, the room fell silent. I'm like, what's going on? And then he was like, well, as soon as I opened her up, it's, it's not a lymph node. There's some sort of mass. I, I don't know what it is. He's like, it's, it's surrounding her carotid like, artery. Carotid artery. Uh, I don't feel comfortable touching it. I don't feel comfortable biopsying it. I don't know if it has blood flow. I took three lymph nodes. We're going to send them off. Don't expect anything because this wasn't a lymph node. Hmm. And I'm like, okay. So he sends those off. We get Emily Kate back. We make it home. And then uh, two days later, Dr. Aaron called me, could tell he was in his car and he had called me like as soon as he got the news. And uh, he says, um, we got the results of the lymphendectomy back and the lymph nodes came back with metastatic neuroblastoma. Hmm. And I was just like, what? And so I was at my computer and I'm like trying to Google the words that he's saying, trying to spell the word neuroblastoma, which now I can spell with my eyes closed. I'm pretty sure my nine-year-old can spell it at this point. Um, but, and I was just, I, I just froze. I was like, well, at least we know. Wow. Gosh, that's such a long journey, Stephanie, just to get an answer. Um, I was, that was going to be my question. Did you even know what neuroblastoma was? Because... That's not a word that just floats around out there. No, not at all. No, no, I had no idea. None of us had any idea. In fact, in the notes that I have from that phone call of me trying to write down the word neuroblastoma, it's like, it's not even close to the word neuroblastoma. Um, But no, and I don't think, like I've never met a childhood cancer family Mm. until we were diagnosed. I, I don't know anybody who had childhood cancer or a kid with cancer or anything like that. So no, it was a whole whole new world for us immediately. Chris, were you home when that call came in or did Stephanie have to give, then give you a call? No, I was on my way home. Um, I believe all on my way home from work and, and she called me. Uh, I didn't know what she was calling me about. I knew we were expecting news, but I don't think we were expecting cancer after everybody told us all these things. And I could hear her voice crackling. And, and and then I think I knew at that point and, and she told me as she started to break down. And after that, I was like, all right, I got to get home and, and we're going to get together and we've got to figure this thing out. What, what are we going to do next? What can we do? What are we supposed to do? Right. We had never heard of it. Um, like Stephanie said, we didn't know anybody that's gone through anything like this. Uh, obviously when you have children, you've, you sometimes fear things like this, but you never think it can happen to you. And we found ourselves right there in the middle of it, out of nowhere, not really any warning signs from any of the experts we spoke to. Mm. And it was about as blindsided as we could get, I believe. And I got home and 
we start we started fighting this thing. I'm assuming they just said pack up and go get to Choa. Is that kind of how it started? No, no. They said, um, in fact, as I was still trying to spell the word no neuroblastoma on my computer, Dr. Aaron said, our oncology team is going to be reaching out to you. And that's when I knew that that's a that's the type of cancer that he's referring to, not some sort of disease. No, they said they'll reach out to you. They called us. Gosh, it had to be a couple days later. Really? I the feel whole, like, yeah, the yeah. whole process felt like they took it felt like everything was seven weeks at a time. Right. Like so one day felt like a week waiting for them to call us. So. Yeah. The timeline's hard because it feels like when you're in that moment, you want them to call 15 minutes ago, right? It, it must have been a couple of days because it felt like it was forever. So the waiting process to hear, to get them to call us and then the schedule appointments and we wanted answers right then and there. It just seems like they couldn't come quick enough. That seems so different from other stories that we yeah. hear of. When you find out, they immediately send you, hey, right, we're sending you to the children's hospital to get additional blood yeah. work and... But that, I mean, that's the first time I've heard of, no, our oncology team is going to get back to you. And then, and then you're waiting. waiting for days. That's really interesting. I What a hard place for you guys to be in. Yeah. So her first pediatrician appointment for the pea-sized lump was on October 4th. And she didn't start chemotherapy until December 27th. And just think that was largely because you pushed so hard and kept going. If you hadn't you know, insisted on the ENT and then told the ENT, I want more tests and I want you to go in there. Could have been a lot longer. Yeah. Yeah. And what, I mean, what the statistic is like 80% of childhood cancers are metastatic when they're diagnosed because it's just not something pediatricians see enough um, that, that they can properly diagnose. And I, I wasn't looking for that diagnosis. I just knew something was wrong. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Would an MRI, would that have answered more questions than a, um, an ultrasound? Yes, that was her, ne- her ne- next test was an MRI. So you were here in Atlanta, but you ended up in Chicago and then New York. How did that all happen? Uh, yeah, I can answer that one. And as much as you think Steph was a mama bear and pushing these ENT or pushing these doctors to get an ENT and to get these biopsies, we found out it's like, she turns into the oncology expert, right? It's constantly researching, constantly looking. And she kept coming across these groups and whether it was social media or people that she reached out to after they heard the news, um, as soon as we heard of them, she'd tell me about them and I'd be like, okay, sign us up. We, we want to go to a, a neuroblastoma conference in Chicago. Um, they're going to host doctors and experts. Let's do it. Let's, let's go find out more. Um, and really that's where we really learned about neuroblastoma. You know, we, we were listening to the doctors and the nurses and I just kept preaching to her, listen, babe, they're the experts. Um, Aflac Cancer Center, they're one of the top rated cancer, childhood cancer hospitals in the nation. They know what they're talking about. And there was something in the back of Stephanie's mind that just kept pushing her. She's like, I want better answers. I want, there's no way that, you know, this is the best it's going to get because we had done what, uh, two rounds or four rounds of chemo at this point when we found Chicago stuff. And she had done two rounds and had just started. She had just finished the first cycle of her third round. And most of this was you, you look at these side effects of the chemotherapies that she's giving and you're, I mean, 
you're talking infertility, hearing loss, the chance of being deaf, never having kids. And I'm like, there's gotta be a better option for her than to keep putting her through this. And we weren't seeing results. Like they'd call and she'd have an MRI and they'd be like, so it shrunk 3% after this round. I'm like, I can't keep, we can't keep doing this. It's not fair to her, especially long-term. Right. And we had just, so we'd gone through those two and then they had just put us on the higher risk chemo. They're like, okay, well this one, the first one didn't work. Like we thought this one will work. And we did one cycle or one, you know, one visit. Right. And then we left to Chicago. We took all of our precautions, but we said, we have to go. We're bringing the kids. We're packing up. We're flying out to Chicago and we're going to hear what these people have to say. And we're going to tell our story and get as many expert opinions as we can because we're not getting the results here. And that's when we met the doctors from MSK and um, CHOP and all these neuroblastoma researchers and some really great families who have had a lot of great experiences with these doctors at these hospitals and Steph Cornerboyne, that poor man. Um, Cause everybody wanted to guys and Steph's like, all right, as soon as this session's over uh, and they're giving their speeches, I'm running over to him and I'm getting him. And it was Dr. Kushner from MSK. And she sure enough did. She got him. She gave him our, our spiel. Uh, and I think he was almost impressed with the detail and the accuracy that she explained it to him, which made it very easy for him to make the decision and tell us, y'all need to stop immediately. Do not take her back to chemo. You need to come to MSK in New York City for a second opinion. We believe that you're you're poisoning your daughter for no good reason. Wow. And it, it was gut-wrenching. Um, I think This was Saturday, and she was supposed to start her third cycle got- of chemo when we got back on monday so you, is this a conference you went you didn't go to the the hospital the children's hospital in chicago this this sounds more like is it a neuroblastoma conference this was a conference yeah. where they host it for uh families who are going through it at the moment families who have children that have survived it and then also the angels and we all met and this is what this conference is for is to educate these parents and on you know what exactly their children are and it changed it changed our entire journey it changed everything i I believe it saved emily's life and stephanie knowing what she knew and able to tell these doctors they were adamant they weren't guessing they everything they said came true and accurate and the first thought i had when she came back to the table and told me that they want us to stop was oh my god what have we been doing have we poisoned you know emily have we done something to her that could be um, irreplaceable damage and not known it and not had to, I guess is my point. So yeah, it was, it was gut wrenching at the time. Is it me or does anyone else have an image of Stephanie, like climbing over tables and like rushing the stage and like just elbowing people out of the way? Is that kind of, that's how I'm imagining it went. Like you just went for it. Oh yeah. No. And I, I mean, like I was talking 300 miles a minute because you have about three minutes in between the people talking. Um, and this was the Children's Neuroblastoma Cancer Foundation. It's the CNCF. And they actually paid for our whole family to travel up to Chicago to attend this conference. And like Chris said, I, I really, truly believe that that conference saved Emily Kate's life. Um, and there's nothing like sitting there on a Saturday and then being like, when you fly back home on Monday, tell them you're not going to chemo. Don't take her. How quickly did you turn around and get to Memorial Sloan Kettering? Uh, we were there, oh goodness, what was it, three weeks later? We arrived yeah. at 
Yeah. Um, she called and a little bit of backstory. Steph had called in the past because we had heard of them and just a doctor. They were very nice. They, you know, didn't need an appointment. Uh, Dr. Basu actually spoke with Steph. It had to be three or four weeks before that, right? Before we made the decision to move over to Hyde, you know? So we, we kind of had an inkling. We knew what doctor or oncology doctor we wanted to work with, but as soon as they told us, y'all need to come get a second opinion and stop chemo. That's when we took it very seriously. We went directly to them, got appointments. They brought us up there. And to be honest, they told us exactly what they were going to do. Um, they said, you don't need to do chemo. We have surgeons that will remove this tumor and we can do that. We, we, we have no doubt in our mind. And that sounded great, except that we had just been told for what, six months, four months, however long, how many months had been that it couldn't be done. Yeah. We don't, our hospital didn't feel comfortable removing the tumor. We wouldn't be able to get it all. There's too many nerves. It's around her umbilical cord. It's pushing against her windpipe. And honestly, I don't think it's a slight on show. I think it's just the fact that these RENT, these surgeons, they don't remove neuroblast tumor, neuroblastoma tumors for a living. And to be honest, he just didn't feel comfortable. Yeah. And it wasn't until we told them that MSK can do it, we won't do it, that they agreed to, well, we can try. And then they gave us these these options of what we could do at CHOA versus what we could do at MSK. And, and we weighed them seriously. We took their opinion seriously. And then we chose to go to MSK. And that's where we met, you know, probably the best neuroblastoma doctors and, and surgeons we possibly could have been around. And they did exactly what they told us they were going to do. They removed it and it was gone. Were you guys up there for an extended period of time or how did that, how would the process work up in, in New York? MSK called me and said they wanted to have Emily do a PET scan. They believed that the reason the tumor wasn't responding to chemo was because of the possibility that the cells had matured which is common for neuroblastoma. The cells mature and become non-cancerous. And they were like, well, obviously the cells wouldn't respond to chemo if they're not cancerous. So that's a high possibility. So I spent two weeks calling every hospital in the United States trying to find a PET scan because CHOA couldn't do one for four weeks. And I was calling these radiology departments just sobbing. And I'm like, I need a PET scan. Like the longer we wait, the more damage this is doing if it's not matured. And so I was calling, calling. Finally, I called MSK and I'm like, you've got to get me in. I've got to come up there. No one can do a PET scan. I've called, I was calling Texas hospitals, uh, Tennessee hospitals, everywhere you could imagine. Children's in Birmingham, it was crazy. So they were like, okay, we can do one. Um, can you be here Monday? And this was on like a Wednesday. And I was like, I'll see you on Monday morning. I'll be there. So I packed up me and Emily and our oldest daughter, Maddie came with us, um, or came with me. And the three of us went up there for the PET scan and it was a super easy, trip. We got to enjoy some of New York City while we were up there, had a little bit of fun, did her PET scan and flew back home. Um, And then they called and they said, unfortunately, it is still showing cancer. Uh, We're going to go ahead and schedule surgery. We were like, okay. So me and Emily flew up there. She had pre-surgery appointments Thursday and Friday. So we flew up on a Wednesday. Chris and Maddie flew up on Saturday. 
And then my best friend, Cassie, flew up on Sunday um, because Maddie wasn't allowed to be in the hospital with us for Emily's surgery. So my best friend flew up for less than 36 hours to spend the entire day with Maddie during the surgery day and her, that first night. That way we could be with Emily Kate at the hospital. Um, she's going to love this shout out when she hears it. I'm telling you. <laughs> <laughs> That's me. Best friends um, are good shout outs. Yes, she deserves it. Um, so, and then we weren't sure if we were all going to get to fly back home together because she had some tubing put in. And we had to wait for a certain drainage amount before they would remove the two. She had an appointment on Friday. We were all scheduled to fly back home on Saturday. And they were like, oh, yep, it can come out. Pulled out the drainage tube right there in the room and released us. And I came out and I was like, we're going home. Yeah. And we were done. That's awesome. What a journey. What? How is she doing today? I think the best way I could describe her is she is a wild animal <laughs> that is full of nothing but love and joy. I don't think she has stopped moving, smiling, you know, <laughs> growling, yelling, just being a normal two-year-old since we got back. Wow. It's been it's been a miracle to watch. It's been nothing, you know, but enjoyable since we've gotten back. Uh I tell people all the time it's nice just to have regular a regular two-year-old. We got regular life problems now. Yeah. She was, uh, you know. She wants to stay up all night playing or she wants to wake up early and, and bug mommy and daddy before we're ready to wake up in the morning. Uh, she fusses at her sister. It's amazing. It's it's the beautiful things that I don't know we missed. And uh, everybody takes for granted. Yeah, they take it for granted. And I don't think we've complained about it once. We just enjoy it every moment, one moment at a time. What a great perspective, because you're right. We, we take that for granted. And um yeah, what a great perspective. So through the journey, what what gave you guys? I mean, because that's a lot. You guys are going through a lot, a lot of you know, um, a lot of uh, not knowing, uh, a lot of answers that weren't the right answers, and just so many different things. What gave you guys hope? So I am big on Chris calls it my sad music. Um, when things get rough, I like to listen to my couple little sad songs. I want to sit in the bathroom and cry for just a little while. And Chris was always great about being like, mommy needs a minute in the bathroom. Let her listen to her music. Or I'd put it on and start cooking dinner. And he, he'd be like, we're going to go play outside while you listen to your songs and cook. Do you need anything? Do you want to go upstairs? <laughs> so uh, there's a song by Ruel called I Get to Love You. And I sang it to Emily Kate our entire journey. Um. In fact, probably four or five months into our journey, I would start singing it to Emmy and she would put like her hand over my mouth and start crying and she'd be like, no sad song. And it's a beautiful song. It's, it's talking about um, how honored she is to get to love somebody and how no matter what happens, um, their heart will always be the, the first heart that they think of and they'll, they'll always put them first and what an honor it is to get to love you. And it's beautiful. And it's not sad at all. Um, I do cry a lot when I listen to it, but that's the same. It's very sad for everybody around. <laughs> um, now Emily will come up to me and ask me to hold her like a baby and sing it to her. So it's truly gotten us, me and Emily's little bond through this, this journey. Um, so I was telling a coworker about 
this song and you know everyone always what can we do how can we help and I was like you know I need some more songs to add to my playlist just you know maybe some more inspirational songs would be good um so one morning I randomly got a text from her this was days later and it was a song called trust in you by Lauren Daigle Mm-hmm. And she says, uh, when you don't move the mountains, I'm needing you to move. I will trust in you. And that phrase got me through the rest of our journey. It got me through all of these unanswered questions, um, surgery day and, and everything. It's just, you know, I am kind of a control freak. And so a lot of this journey was me learning to give that up and let go and trust in in God and in doctors and in faith and just understand that it is what it is. So those two songs really, really kept me anchored and sad. But, well, I guess it kept everybody else around me sad. But I just- <laughs> <laughs> You know, as we started to go through the treatments and the chemo, I was always one that okay, we've got to do it, right? We're in it. It is what it is. The world's going to keep spinning. Let's just take this thing one day at a time and let's just do it. I didn't find hope or or anything like that until we went on the lighthouse trip, which was another thing that Stephanie found in her just wormhole of digging and digging and digging. Hey, (laughs) I found this trip. Let's go to the beach. I was like, the beach? Heck yeah, that'll be a break. I had no idea it was going to change my entire perception, not just through our journey, but in, in life in general, right? Um, that's where I found hope seeing these other parents, seeing these kids. Um, I've never seen so many children with such happy faces going through what they were going through. Um, the resilience, um, you know, even the, the, the volunteers, we became great friends with the volunteers and just seeing all those people come together for the cause and what they did for us and what they've done for each other and to hear their stories and what they're going through. It reminded me that you know, we're not the only ones going through this and yeah, we have to do what we're supposed to do, but you're allowed to hope for the best and you're allowed to, to believe in God and you're allowed to ask for help. And it brought all that to light for me. So it was definitely the lighthouse trip that really opened up my mind, my heart, right. Um, my soul really. And I talked to Seth a lot about it and it, uh, it was everything. So mm-hmm. what Chicago did for Emily, the lighthouse did for me. And I, I think the same for um, you know, Stephanie as well, and, and our oldest to see how she enjoyed it and how resilient she was. We always talk about how resilient the kids are going through this. You know, Madison, our oldest, man, she, I learned more from her than I think I did anybody else in this process. And uh, I wish we could just, <laughs> it also taught me to, you learn more from kids than you do adults um, over this journey. And yeah, that's where I found hope. And that's where I knew we, if there's a chance, we're, we're going to take it. And we're going to make it. Love that. That's great to hear. That's so encouraging. You're allowed to ask for help and you're allowed to have hope. I love that. Yeah. You guys touched on this a little bit when you were talking about your perspective and how, you know, just, you know, fussing at her sister is like joyful. What other things as you look back? Because, you know, sometimes you don't, you're, you're in fight or flight for so long that you're just kind of, you're surviving. And then when, when you get a chance to breathe, I feel like that's when you get to kind of process and think and what other things did you kind of learn along this way that maybe you're just now realizing? I think what uh, one thing I enjoyed, and I think I actually knew this at the time, and I, I mentioned it, but looking back, I enjoyed the time just with Emily in the hospital. 
it was nice to have some alone time. And yes, she was hooked up to chemo and she had the port and trying to dance around those towers with the wires. And she still had a lot of energy to be going through chemo. <laughs> so I enjoyed those moments. And looking back, I wouldn't change them for the world uh, to have those moments with your, your, you know, your daughter. And it's just you and her in that room. Nothing else ever mattered. Um, so yeah, that, that was one thing that looking back, I enjoyed that. And I don't think I actually took that for granted. I think that was the first thing I didn't take for granted was those that time with Emily. And I loved every minute of it. I wish it would have been in different circumstances, but I don't know if I'd be the person I am today without us having to go through that. It's another great perspective. Yeah, we um we truly, truly embraced the um savor every moment throughout this journey. Um which was one of my favorite parts. It was it was just something, you know. As a parent, you play with your kids when you can. You're busy running them to school and to sports. You've got to clean the house and cook dinner and do all these things. And at the end of the day, you're just like, oh, I've done so much. And then something like this happens and your kid has cancer and you can't leave the house much. You don't really get to, to do much. You're missing out on so many other things. And we would just turn out all the lights in the basement and like, light up a hundred glow sticks and put Alexa on kids party loud and dance. And yeah. we would order pizza and just live our best life. We got like glow in the dark balls for the bathtub and we would do disco baths. And it's just all these tiny little moments that we really stopped to be like, let's just stop and soak this in. Yeah. And you just don't always do that. And everyone tells you to as a parent, uh, but you just don't always. And this really, I guess, it forced us. Yeah, it, it forced us. <laughs> I mean, we, we did a great job. Now, with that being said, we're paying for it now. Now we've got a two and a half year old who thinks she's the center of the world. And, <laughs> <laughs> and wants a disco bath every, every night. <laughs> every bath needs to be a disco bath. That's right. I love that. But what a great perspective. Thanks for reminding us of that and, and sharing about just your experience with that and uh, and just with that you that's what you guys learned I know that's going to be valuable for other parents that are out there listening um, today so gosh you guys thank you so much for making time and and walking us through and inviting us into this journey with you guys and sharing about it um, super um, Im impactful for me and Christy here but I know even more so for the families that are listening so thank you guys for joining us and, and being a part of this awesome thank you all Christy, I just really loved talking with um, Chris and Stephanie. I loved his answer to what what brought him I hope. I know. Gosh, that honestly, we talked about crying at the beginning. That kind of brought a few tears to my eyes. For me, it was two things. One, the image of Stephanie just in a conference room full of people and just rushing the stage because she was going to talk to that doctor and she had three minutes and she was going to do it and she did. But also just her song lyrics, that that's where she found hope because I just think music's really powerful and that was something that helped me. And so I just, I loved hearing her. First yeah. That. He talked about that mama bear, mama bear became yeah. a grizzly man. And she yeah. was like, Nope, I'm going to just see it. Yeah. too. She took over Yep. and, uh, and, and needed to. And that was so important that she did. Um, Hey friends, thanks for listening. We really appreciate you guys. If you don't already make sure you subscribe, go out, rate review, let us know what you, what you guys think. And that's going to help others find us. We really appreciate y'all. And we'll catch you guys next week on the next episode.